Hey, I'm Kate Otten, tight end at the University of Washington, and you're listening to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 108 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Charles Hammaker. Um, no Benin or Omari today, sadly. I'm recording this uh, Tuesday morning, actually, just because of the uh, Monday Night Football game, me and last night. Um, yeah, that's, that's a topic of discussion for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's just get right into it. Um, so we get into our Seahawks here, uh, obviously playing the, uh, New Orleans saints on Monday night football. Uh, they would lose that game 13 to 10, um, looking into post game thoughts. I mean, there's several areas to really, that you can point the blame, you know, following this game. Uh, another poor offensive showing once again, Geno Smith can't seem to get it done. He took crucial sacks in this game and wasted several important timeouts. Um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett only had four total touches all game, four total touches um, against the number two run defense in the league. That shouldn't be happening. That is an issue. That is something that is inexcusable. And, you know, it's it's really interesting for me to think because I at the game yesterday I heard oh well the offensive coordinator needs to be cut or whatever um and while you know I understand that output uh, simply because of what we know from last year I question that uh, because the only reason that Brian Schottenheimer uh, found his way out of this organization was that he and Pete Carroll had a philosophical uh, philosophical difference of where they wanted to take this team directionally. Uh, and that says something to me. That, that says something simply because, you know, w- what direction did Pete want to go? And, it sound, and also, at the end of the year, we found out that Schottenheimer's play calling was doled down as per Pete Carroll. So are we again seeing Pete Carroll's hands all over the Seahawks offensive game plan? Or is this really what Shane Waldron's calling? Because I feel like we're seeing a little bit of Shane Waldron and a lot of Pete Carroll in terms of offensive influence. And it's not a good thing, obviously, as you can tell. Um, I mean, you know, even going back to when Russell was healthy uh, and not dealing with a, a, a pin in his finger, you know, so it's 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 hard to watch a team that's got bad offense and bad defense um but you know on that note the defense did its job for the most part i mean holding new orleans to a total of 13 points not much more you can ask if you've got russell wilson in this game shit if you've got russell wilson in last week's game against the steelers you won that you know you're four and two now um pardon me five and uh you got a winning record is my point. I apologize. Um, it's just insane to look at that and just think, you know, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You could be four and three right now. Um, if Gino somehow, you know, Russell stays in the game against the Rams, you know, you're you only lose two games. You know, he dropped an egg against the, the Vikings. That was just, you know, I don't know what the hell, um, It's funny, in the post-game press conference, Pete goes, oh, 
we're, we're so close. It's like, well, you know, that, that can be the difference in the NFL. What the, you know, all these close decision games, what you had all these close decision games last year. And now you're seeing the other side of it and you're losing those close games. So, you know, uh, yeah, the defense did his job for the most part, but did really hurt themselves a lot by getting some costly penalties. Uh, both sides of the ball really got costly penalties. Um, and then two missed field goals loomed large in this three point loss. You know, if you, you had those uh, field goals, you know, you win the game by three effectively. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're kicking into the wind uh, with, you know, with the rain as well. So I understand that. And you really shouldn't be putting yourself in the position to just get field goals. I mean, you only put up one touchdown and that was on the second possession of the game off of essentially like a bang, bang play. You know, DK was able to get free uh, and score an 84 yarder, his longest of his career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that nobody really is safe from the blame here, not the coaching staff, you know, not the offense, not the defense. It was just all over, uh, even the, yeah, even special teams, you know? So just incredibly frustrating to see that. And it's just disappointing at this point. I'm not even mad. I'm just like, well, it's not like I expected them to come out and kick the saints in the butt, you know, on off on uh, Monday night football. You knew that this was going to be a limited product and that's what it was. I mean, as we move to stat leaders, Geno Smith, 12 completions on 22 attempts for 167 yards and one touchdown, 84 of those yards coming on DK Metcalf on that uh, long touchdown rushing Alex Collins, 16 carries, 35 yards receiving DK Metcalf, two receptions, two receptions with a guy with that much talent, the speed, the physicality, two receptions, 96 yards, one touchdown. That can't happen. The number two run defense in the league cannot happen. Tackles, Bobby Wagner, seven total, six solo. Only turnover was Jordan Brooks recovered a fumble that was forced by Ugo Amadi. Um. Yeah, I mean, just listening to that, 167 yards passing, 35 yards rushing, uh, you know, two receptions for DK Metcalf. That kind of shit just cannot happen. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's come to the point where I just, it's not disappointment. Well, it is disappointment. It's not frustration anymore. It's disappointment. Um, offensive and defensive MVPs, if we can really, showcase them um both ben and i had dk metcalf on the defensive side of the ball i had jordan brooks for his one fumble recovery four total tackles two solo and one pass deflection Uh, that pass deflection did prevent a touchdown and then bennett had bobby wagner yeah it's just uh this team is uh i heard a good people kept saying it was a sinking ship and they're not exactly wrong you know there's just so much – there's so many issues with this team at the current point. And I – you know, the way that Pete Carroll runs this team, don't see them changing anytime soon simply because he is that man that sticks with his people to it. It's to a point, all right? It's to a point where that becomes an issue. Uh as we head into injury news uh, on October 23rd, uh, it was announced that Russell is still aiming for a week 10 return. 
Uh, barring any hiccups, he is on track to return from that finger injury when Seattle takes on Green Bay on the road in week 10, and he recently had the pin removed from his finger. Alex Collins expected to play versus New Orleans. After he had been previously listed as questionable with a groin injury, Collins would play in that game. And then Rashad Penny was activated off of IR uh, and did play in the game against New Orleans, making minimal impact. Uh, game day inactives, quarterback Jacob Eason, cornerback John Reed, offensive guard Damian Lewis, offensive tackle Stone Forsyth, defensive end LJ Collier, and defensive end Daryl Taylor. Post game, it was announced that safety Marquise Blair reportedly had suffered a significant knee injury. And right tackle Brandon Shell aggravated his ankle injury that he has been dealing with this season. So uh, really sucks to hear the news about Blair. I remember seeing him go down and just knowing that it was Marquise and now he was reaching for his ankle. Uh, pardon me. He was reaching his knee. Um, it was announced by Carol that it was a patella injury after the game. Um, so we'll have to just see how that goes. <clears throat> um, I apologize for my voice. I was yelling a lot last night. To no avail. Uh, team notes October 20th, the team claimed quarterback Jacob Eason off of waivers from the Colts, former University of Washington quarterback for the year, uh, former Gatorade High School Gatorade Player of the Year uh, in the state of Washington previously. Uh, cool to have Eason back on the club. Just wondering if he'll ha- have any impact on this team before Russell comes back. Uh, October 23rd, Seattle reportedly has had trade talks centered around LJ Collier at various points this season. So it'd be interesting to see if Seattle is able to trade Collier simply because of the fact that he has been a healthy scratch for a good amount of the season. Um, and really it's just been taking up space. So. A former first rounder, uh, another former first rounder by Seattle could end up off the team. In league related news, the NFL helped fuel uh, $1 billion in betting revenue in New Jersey had a record September fueled by wagers on NFL games uh, showing how much money is truly involved in sports betting. Congress is probing the NFL. The U.S. government wants Commissioner Roger Goodell to answer questions about the NFL's handling of the Washington football team investigation. Give me one second. Gross. Okay. Um, And then John Gruden. John Gruden states that the truth will come out. The ex Raiders coach stated this about the email scandal that he was involved in during the strange during a strange phone call. So the Seahawks now dropped to a two and five record. They're back. Um, I don't know if they're still worst in the NFC West, simply because the 49ers lost as well. On Sunday Night Football, let me just take a look. No, because the Niners are two and four, we are the worst team in the NFC West. Brilliant, two and five. Basement, second to tied for second to worst team in the league uh, in the NFC West. I mean, the NFC, pardon me, in the conference. Looking ahead for your Seahawks in week eight, they will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars on October 31st at home with a 1.05 p.m. kickoff time on CBS. So we will see if uh, that 
Oh God. Imagine imagine losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars at home in a year where Jacksonville isn't good. How embarrassing. Um so we move on to our Seattle Seahawks here. Um no, pardon me, Seattle Mariners here in the continuing in their offseason. Uh they did have some moves to make prior to the end of the World Series deadline for the Rule 5 draft. Uh, on October 22nd, infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty was outrighted Triple A Tacoma. Infielder slash outfielder Shed Long Jr. was also outrighted Triple A Tacoma, but declined the outright and elected for free agency. That same situation of uh, being outrighted to Triple A Tacoma and then electing free agency happened with right-handed pitcher Ryan Weber. Right-handed pitcher Darren McKagan outrighted to Tacoma. Outfielder Marcus Wilson was outrighted to Tacoma. Right-handed pitcher LJ Newsom was claimed off of waivers by the Cardinals. Um, so a couple moves being made uh, leading up to the deadline, as I mentioned there. Um, I was a fan. Shed Long was a favorite for me. Uh, you know, just was dealing with injuries since, you know, mid-2019, you know, played through 2020. Um, and then so dealt with an injury in 2021 as well. So just couldn't get to break really. Uh, but with the, as mentioned by Jerry DePoto, with the talent that you got on this club and the talent's going to be coming in in free agency, uh, and especially the talent that's going to be coming up from the farm system, there's going to be a bottleneck of talent and eventually you're going to have to make some decisions. Um, the other news from our Mariners was on October 25th, it was announced that Ken Griffey Jr., had bought shares in the Mariners, and he will join the club's ownership group. He is the first former Mariner to do so. So Griffey joins the ownership group uh, with John Stanton. Um, and he said in his press conference that he he is here to win and help his team win, and he hates losing. So it's cool to have Griffey on the team, um, back on the team, really, uh, back in the organization in a, in a bigger extent. Um, it'll be interesting to see the impact that he has there. This is your time to check out Homs Seattle. Homs has your back in a loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. That is H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E.com, Homs Seattle. Go check them out. As we head over to our Seattle Sounders here in their regular season quest, continuing towards hoping to secure the number one seed in the MLS Audi Cup playoffs. Audi MLS Cup playoffs, my apologies. Um, the Sounders took on the third place and second place teams in the Western Conference over the past week, respectively, in both Colorado and Sporting Kansas City. On October 20th, they would travel to Colorado to play the Rapids on the road. They would draw that game with Colorado 1-1. to uh, Player of the game would be Christian Roldan scoring a goal late in the second half to equalize that is his fourth goal in the past five games as assisted by Leo Chu. Uh, that goal was assisted by Chiu, Leo Chu. Not all four of those goals in the past five games were assisted by Leo Chu. Uh, and then October 23rd versus Sporting Kansas City back here at home, the Sounders would lose that game two to one. Player of the game would be Nico Benize uh, scoring one goal. That game. That wasn't, that was wild. Uh, Casey came out and scored in the fourth minute. Um, they scored in the fourth minute and then got a little chippy. That was a chippy game. 
both teams really were going at each other, getting each other's faces. Um, getting each other's faces. Um, and then something really unique, something I've never seen in my, all my years of soccer happened. Um, sporting goalkeeper Tim Melia uh, was being screened by Christian Roldan. Um, being screened by Roldan as the ball was in the air and Melia decided to retaliate by picking up Roldan and slamming him into the ground in what was essentially a rock bottom. If you know what a rock bottom is, Dwayne, the rock Johnson in his time in WWE would pick up his opponents with one arm by the side uh, and hold them to the side and then slam them into the ground. And that's essentially, that's what happened in any other sport that is some kind of suspension as an ejection and you're fine, most likely. Uh, the MLS decided no. The referee Ismail Elfath issued Melia a yellow and went about his day. Um, due to the play's similarity to the rock bottom, it found its way to Dwayne Johnson himself, who tweeted about it and even said that he should have been given a red card. And the MLS just essentially joked about it and took the publicity that they got from Dwayne Johnson and was just like, aha, yeah, the rock bottom. Ha ha. Sends a terrible president for the league. Um, it's just embarrassing. I mean, one of your players in this league committed a red, a, that's a red card offense. And you as a league get the publicity from the person that, you know, this this player essentially enacted the act from and went, yeah, that's kind of cool. We're going to take the clout, though, and keep moving on and not do anything about it. It is Tuesday. That game was on Saturday. We haven't seen anything about it, so I'm not exactly hopeful that we will get any news about it. Um, big sigh. In terms of injury news, Jordan Morris may be eligible to return versus the LA Galaxy. Morris is getting close to return and is is eligible to return as soon as November 1st versus LA back here at home in the final regular season match of the year at home. The team sits at a 17-win, 7-draw, 7-loss record. They are still first in the Western Conference, but only by three points due to their loss against KC they are out of the running for the supporter shield and the new England revolution. Take that on um, looking ahead. Their next match is actually tonight, October 26th versus LAFC on the road with a 6 PM kickoff time. Heading into our Seattle storm here. The only real piece of storm news that I have for you um, at the current moment. All right. Is that, so recently over the past week on the opener for the Kraken, uh, Sue Bird was there to, was in the building, obviously, because the storm play in that building. Um, she was in the building and helped, you know, open up the festivities there uh, in Climate Pledge Arena, you know, really helped open things up, got things all excited, uh, was part of several different Seattle area athletes, uh, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, um, 
who else was there? DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner. Um, Russell was joined by Sierra, Sue Bird. Um, yes, anyway, the point being, um, Bird was in the building, got to see the arena, got to look at the locker room uh, for the storm. And Sue Bird was actually on the board. Um, she was on the Monday Night Football broadcast with the Manning brothers, both Peyton and Eli. And uh, Sue Bird was asked about retirement. Okay. And Sue Bird says that playing in Climate Pledge Arena is very tempting uh, just because of how it had been renovated and she had liked the way it looked. So that might be something to look forward to. Obviously, that decision has to be made by Sue and that may not come anytime soon. But if, if you're looking into it at all or you need something to hold on to, Sue Bird said it's very tempting to look into playing in that building. So that as well as the fact that Sue Bird uh, was among those that was added to the USA basketball board. Uh, Kevin Durant, former Sonic, was also added to that board as well. Uh, so that is any sort of storm news that I have for you. This is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. That is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S.com. That is altogether M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H. L-E-T-I-C-S dot com. I know that they just released some Mer- some Seahawks stuff, some new Seahawks hats. So if I were you, I would go and check that out. Um, Maybe a tough season right now, but that merch, merch is a lot better than the play on the field right now. So go and check out my Estro and my friend Tony over there. Um, looking into our Seattle Kraken here. Um, over the past week, they played three games, two of those on the, uh, well, no, since we've been talking to you last, they played two games, October 19th at the New Jersey Devils. They would lose that game in uh, two to four fashion. Player of the game would be Jared McCann with one goal, two shots and two hits. And then October 23rd, the big home opener for the Kraken uh, versus the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks would play spoiler and beat the Kraken two to four. Player of the game would be Mark Giordano. At one goal, uh, one point, and four shots on goal. Obviously, the home opener at Climate Pledge Arena. In this game as well, uh, the team retired the number 32 in honor of the fans. There were several reasons that the number 32 was retired from getting 32 initial deposits for season tickets, uh, being the 32nd franchise in the NHL. It's funny, the Kraken scored their first goal here at home with 3.2 seconds left in the first period as well. Um but the number 32 has a significance with this franchise. And it was very cool to see that announced. So the number 32 hangs in the Raptors. Now it will not ever be worn. Um, but again, I need to have this speech. Um, yes. The losing, losing these games is tough, right? I know everybody, the well, not everybody. Um, Not everybody has this expectation, but there are a good amount of people who do. You know, they've seen Vegas's success and they say, oh, well, how come we, we expect the Kraken to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final? That's not happening. That's, it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, 
simply because of the fact that Vegas got the luck of the draw with the way that their draft pulled played out. Right. Um, I mean, when you've got, you know, Mark Andre Fleury uh, available to pick in the expansion draft and the team is going to be able to get him. I mean, it's just, you know, I just need people to realize that this is a young team. This is a team that is still got a lot of way to go in terms of, you know, both uh, chemistry as well as just fitting together and playing well together. Um, so it, it's, it's not going to come easily. It's not going to be like, oh, Seattle's going to come out and light things up instantly. That's not going to happen. It's not realistic. Um, you know, so any idea that Seattle's going to replicate that success instantly, as well as just expecting them to win every game is not going to happen. Um, also, you can thank the fact that um, we've got a long season. The NHL season is not a short one. These guys will be playing until at least April. Uh, they play in a weak division. So if, you know, when they pick things up, when the chemistry starts hitting, when they start hitting on all cylinders, this is a team that will more than likely at least get a playoff spot. So, you know, and also, again, this is the franchise's first year in existence. I would tone it down and breathe a little bit and realize, hey, this is a group of guys that's only been together a few months at most, right? So they're all getting used to each other. They're all getting used to playing with each other. The defense isn't fully there. You know, the, the, the talent's there, right? just has to play well together they have to gel you know this is a everyone wants to point out oh well, grubauer is not playing that well how come all these goals are being scored similar to soccer if you got a bad defense at the end of the day the goalie won't always matter right so grubauer has been put in a lot of positions to fail because of his defense puck watching and leaving him in one-on-one situations usually more uh, having him being outnumbered in situations, you know, so I'm not worried about it. I'm not stressed out. It's the uh, energy in the building on the 23rd was great. And I'm hoping to have that same energy continue throughout the season, uh, starting with tonight on the 26th. Uh, but before I continue to upcoming, the team sits at a one, four and one record, one win, four loss, one overtime period, Getting three points, two for the win, one for the t- overtime period. They are six in the Pacific Division, just above Vegas. Uh, looking ahead, October 26th, they will play the Montreal Canadiens uh, with a 7 p.m. puck drop. October 28th versus the Minnesota Wild at home with a 7 p.m. puck drop. October 31st versus the New York Rangers with a 6 p.m. puck drop. And then on November 1st, they will travel to Edmonton to play the Oilers for the first time in the regular season with a 6.30 p.m. puck drop. So transferring over to our OL Reign here, the Reign did not have a game over the past week as they had international break taking place um, uh, over the past week, though the four of the Reign players did play um, in international break games. That would be Angelina for Brazil, Quinn for Canada, Jimena Lopez, for Mexico and Shirley Cruz for Costa Rica. 
In league-related news, Alex Morgan says that the trust still has to be built back up between the league and the players amid talks regarding demands from the NWSL Players Association. So this story continues to roll. If you've been following us, us for several weeks, you know about the NWSL allegations and the situation taking place in the league. Uh, interim CEO of the league, Maria Messing, says that the league has agreed in principle to meet the demands set forth by its Players Association. U.S. Women's National Team uh, defender Becky Sarabran describes the past several weeks amid fallout from the NWSL allegations as really tough. So, you know, this is a story that continues to develop. Uh, Paul Riley has been uh, fired and is hopefully blacklisted from the league. Um, Steve Bannon um, still needs to sell his shares in the Washington Spirit. So that is still an ongoing story. He said that he will but the news has not gone official yet that he has sold his shares. Um, so again, this is a news that is, this is news that is still developing that we are still learning of um, and that we are still hopefully getting better results um, about. Um, so uh, with that being said, there is one piece of league news that is exciting to hear and it's not bad news. Uh, Kansas City NWSL announced a $70 million stadium project, which will be the first ever stadium built specifically for a NWSL team. So Kansas City, you know, brand new to the league, uh, this iteration, um, and they're, they're making a good statement already. So, hey, good on Kansas City. Oops. My pen hit my microphone. Uh, good on Kansas City. Uh, exciting to see that. Um and it's hopefully, you know, foreshadowing for what the rain will do here and giving uh, the rain a stadium built specifically for an NWSL team. Um, the rain sits still at a 12 win, three draw, eight loss record. They're still second in the league with 39 points. Looking ahead, they will take on Kansas City NWSL October 30th uh, on the road. Uh, with a 6 p.m. kickoff time, that game will decide whether or not Seattle is the second seed and if they get a playoff berth, no, if they get a uh, bye week or not and play on the 14th. If they do not win that game and they draw or lose, they will play November 7th and host a wild card game. So as in any sport, you would rather host at home um, and get a playoff, uh, get a bye week. My apologies. Um, so as we head into not technically Sonics news, right? This is a uh, NBA news, but it's important. The NBA strengthens its commitment to HBCUs, historically black college universities. Um, during all-star weekend, the NBA will feature a matchup between Howard university and Morgan state university to kick off the NBA HBCU classic. Um, so that is exciting to see, you know, good on the NBA for doing that. And a good, a good amount of ways the NBA uh, does a lot of good, <laughs> a good amount of ways the NBA does a good, a lot, a lot of good. You get the point. The NBA uh, typically does a good job of uh, keeping things together. Um, obviously though, I would like for them to follow up and give us our basketball team back, our, uh, our men's basketball team. So that's on its way, though. That'll come in the near future. Hopefully, when I say near future, it will take a couple of years. Um, so now we will transfer over to UW Athletics. Um, in general, college news, um, college football playoff 
college football upsets are an all-time high. 47 teams that were ranked in the AP Top 25 have fallen through seven weeks of the season, which is a new record, as well as the news of Nick Rolovich will sue Washington State University, the ex-WSU coach, as an attorney and plans to take legal action against the university for being fired due to being unvaccinated, filing it under a, he fired it as a grievance. He basically said, you can't fire me for that, but it's a state ordinance. So yeah, they can't fire you for that. It's stupid. What a moron. Um, so transferring into football and speaking of football in the past week, your Washington Huskies, played Arizona. Arizona is winless. They are the worst team in the Pac-12, and they are arguably one of the worst teams in college football. The Huskies had to come back from a 13-point deficit at the half and win this game 21-16. to UW was, as I mentioned, down by 13 at the half. Uh, Arizona had their third stringer in. Uh, luckily, that third stringer only I mean, he completed 13 of his 20 attempts, but he only had 62 yards and two picks. Um, Man, what a year for our football teams, huh? Uh, UW had to come from behind to get a victory and avoid this embarrassing loss. Uh, God, it's just, oh my goodness. So Dylan Morris completed 13 of his 21 attempts for 217 yards and two TDs. Sean McGrew led on the ground with 17 attempts for 46 yards. Um, in the receiving end, Terrell Bynum had a great game, five receptions, 143 yards, and one touchdown. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, Asa Turner led nine total tackles, four solo, and an interception, so good on Asa there. Um, the only other turnover, uh, Tuli Latula Gasanoya had one pick as, oh, wait, Yes, he had a pick and a sack. Um, ZTF Zion Tupola Fatui had a sack as well. Um, Race Porter, seven punts for a total of 347 yards, 49.6 average, and 55 was his longest. He had four in the 20. Only one touchback, though. Uh, and three 50-plus yard punts. So Race doing his job there. Shout out to Race. Um, but yeah, frustrating game. Uh, frustrating game at the end of the day it is a victory um yeah gonna take an ugly one but still tough to see uh but they were able to pull it out so good on the huskies there they advanced to a three and four record now two and two in conference play uh their next opponent will be oh yeah well this is college football updates uh wsu coach nick Rollins was fired obviously as we talked about him suing the the, the team Terminated for cause after not complying with the mandate. His assistants also were fired as well, who were unvaccinated. So the team's next matchup is uh, October 30th at Stanford with a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. That should be interesting. Uh, That's going to be a tough game as well. Uh, So there's going to be that game. And then the game after it will not get any easier as November 6th, the team will take on Oregon at home. Oh boy. So there is that. As we go down here to the men's soccer team, the men's soccer team took on number eight Oregon on October 22nd. They would lose that game two to three in a game that saw UW have to go down to nine men. So the number one team in the nation, UW, suffered its first loss of the year. 
as we look into the stats here. Um, Oregon State got ahead early with a goal in the ninth minute. Uh, UW would answer with a 26-minute goal by Ryan Saylor, as assisted by Charlie Ostrom. In the 56th minute, Nick Scardino would score uh, to put UW 2-1. to one. But then in the 73rd minute, uh, Oregon State would strike again. In the 86th minute, they would get a penalty uh, and score to beat UW 3-2. to two. Um, Yeah, UW, UW had two guys sent off to do red cards. Uh, Washington's Keel Robin would go off in the 43rd minute, um, and Christian Soto would go off in the 62nd minute. There were a total of one, two, three, four, five, two, four, seven, seven total yellow and above. Jeez. Uh, no, it was you guys were kicked out. Uh, even though they did get more cards at four to UW's three. But yet the number one team in the nation drops one. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's not a bad thing. You're still third now. You're third in the country. Um, you just have to refocus. You still got some games to play left in the regular season here. The next game being October 28th versus Cal at home, the 7 p.m. kickoff time. The next one in this next week is October 31st, Sunday versus Stanford here at home with a 2 p.m. kickoff time. Um, so, yep, UW goes to 12-1, and 4-1 and in conference play, 6-1 and at home. The UW women's soccer team played a couple of games over the past week. Uh, they took on UCLA at home on October 21st, number eighth ranked USC. They would lose that game one to three, a tough game in the rain there uh, on breast cancer awareness night. Um, ooh, sorry, I spaced out there for a second. So UCLA at home, as we look into the stats here, if they will load, goodness gracious. Oh, I think my internet, no. Hmm. I apologize. Not sure what's going on here. Oh, yeah. The internet on this computer did go down. So we will fix that. Come on. I apologize for all of those who are at this point of the show right now. This is inconvenient. All right. Now we're going to be good to go. Okay. UCLA. UCLA was straight first in the 11th minute when Ryland Turner scored. Uh, and then UCLA would get a penalty kick in the 30th minute and convert there. And the 74th minute, Olivia Vanderyat would be able to bring UW within one goal in the 74th minute, uh, but then UCLA would strike back in the 76th minute to put the nail in the coffin and give UCLA the win there. So Washington actually outshot UCLA, uh, but UCLA was able to be more efficient with their shots. All shots that you know were really tough for goalkeeper Olivia Sacani. Um, 
UW also outfouled UCLA, so that might have played a role there. Um, but UCLA just essentially uh, more efficient with what they were doing. Uh, and then on Sunday, the 24th, UW would take on number five, USC, and draw that game by a score of two to two. Um, USC would score first in the 30th minute, and then Kyla Ferry would score in the 31st to answer back right away in the 64th minute. Uh, UCLA would uh, USC would score again. It would be the same person, Croy Bethune. Uh, but in the 67th minute, an answer would come again when Mackenzie Weiner would score and leave us with a two to two draw. USC outshot UW uh, and outfouled UW by a lot, 13 3. Um, it's a double overtime game. Um, Wow. All of the saves for UW came in the first half. Jeez. So UW defense was able to essentially keep it uh, pretty clean outside of the 64th minute goal. Um, What a game. Uh, UW advances to four wins, seven losses, and four draws um, for a 2-3-3 conference record. Their next matchup uh, next matchups are October 28th at Oregon State and October 31st at Oregon. Um, heading into volleyball here. Where to go? Oh, okay. Um, October 22nd on Friday, they would take on Cal. The volleyball team would win three to one. Um, as we look into stats here. Do 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 do. Your player of the game for that game. Oh, and the stats go away from me. Player of the game for that game would be Claire Hoffman with 19 total points, uh, 17 kills, a 0.405 percentage on that. Um, and then versus USC on the 20. No, versus Stanford on the 24th, uh, they would sweep Stanford three to nothing. As we look into the stats here. Uh, and we give me the individual stats, of course. It would be is Claire Hoffman once again, 14 kills, 20 TA, and 16.5 points with 11 digs as well. Um, so volleyball is now eighth in the country, sitting at a 15 and three record. Uh, October 29th, they will take on USC, and then October 31st, they will take on UCLA. Both of those games being on the road. All right, another week of Seattle sports here. Um, you know, your Seahawks continue to frustrate us. The Mariners, you know, barring a strike, a strike by the MLB have a big offseason coming up for them. These Sounders continue on throughout the regular season, a frustrating past week, but still hold their destiny in their own hands. Um, the storm relatively quiet at this current point. The Kraken had a tough past week, but have a chance to bounce back with a three home game week upcoming. Um, the rain have a crucial game coming up on Saturday against Kansas city NWSL, which will be no easy feat. Um, UW football, tough game against Stanford coming up. Men's soccer's got all men's soccer, women's soccer, UW volleyball, all crucial games coming up through regular season play. With that being said, I want to thank anybody who's gotten to this point of the show. I want to thank you. Um, I appreciate it. 
you know, this is, you know, 43 minutes out of your day. So thank you. You have a good rest of your day. And we will see you back next week on the show. Baba Bowie.